Good, good, good morning. It is a blessing to be back after being gone for a couple weeks, visiting my family in the in the Midwest, really both of our families. Uh, it's sweet to be back and to see your faces and to be back home. And so I thank you for your love for our family and just the sweetness of being here. And it is refreshing. I do want to encourage you before I get started, uh, please... Uh, let me know if you need to be baptized. If you have not yet obeyed the Lord Jesus Christ, you are one who has repented of their sins. You've put your faith in Christ, but you haven't been baptized into Christ Jesus. Please let me know because I'm compiling a list of names of those who need to be baptized so that we can uh, hopefully do that baptism on one Sunday. So it's going to be exciting. We're kind of planning on how we're going to have a baptismal pool in the uh, parking lot. It's going to be great. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I've got a couple names, but please, if you haven't been baptized, get, get me those dates as soon as possible so as soon as we can plan it for the fall when it's still warm. Um, as we get into God's word this morning, it is with a, just, just soberness, and I don't know if you feel it, I definitely uh, do, uh, with a seriousness as you listen to the news and hear about these mass shootings. There is a seriousness in my heart as you hear about church leaders who uh, leave the Lord Jesus Christ and renounce their faith. Those kinds of, of things, I know they're, they're, they're very diverse. Uh, those are two very different things, but they bring a weightiness uh, to really all of our lives and to everything that we uh, do and that we need to continue in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The suffering saints in Asia Minor that Peter wrote to also had to continue in their faith. They were sojourners who were being persecuted for their allegiance to Jesus Christ. But Peter was concerned uh, and instructed them that just sojourning in this life was not enough. It's not just about getting to the finish line of Christ's return or the finish line of heaven. It's more than just persevering. All the persevering is included. See, being being one of God's people is more than just holding out for the inheritance reserved in heaven for us. It's more, although it surely includes, fixing our hope completely on the grace to be brought to us of the revelation of Jesus Christ, as Peter said in 1 Peter 1, verse 13. But Peter was concerned that they did more than hold on, more than just only long for the return of Christ, more than waiting for Jesus to come back and fix the world, which he will more than being one of those who continue believing until he returns, as we see others who fall away. God's people are also to maximize the time that God has given them. God's people are to maximize the time that God has given them. Peter talked about the time that we have remaining in the beginning of chapter 4. In verse 2, he talked about that that. that to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. That we're doing something different with the time that God has given us. It's not just about pleasing ourselves, but doing God's will. It's chapter 4, verse 2. If we look back at the beginning of chapter 1, he talks about we were chosen to obey Jesus Christ. 
Now, Peter gives a snapshot of what this obedient life, of, of what this life lived for God's will looks like in 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. I'm going to read it now, and it'll be a, a, a little refresh from last time we were in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Here we see in 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11, Peter launches this section beginning, the end of all things is near. Jesus Christ is returning. The time is running out. So what do we do with that time? Well, last time we were in 1 Peter, we looked how we were to think clearly. We saw that in verse 7 with this sober-mindedness and this self-controlled thinking. We saw that we are to love fervently. In verse 8, we saw that we are to welcome warmly and give gladly with, with, with hospitality. And so in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, Peter continues giving instructions about how we are to live as the end is near. And here's kind of our, our big idea for this morning, and I'll repeat in different ways. While you have time, you must utilize God's gifts to serve God's people by following God's instructions in order to bring God glory. While you have time, while today is today, with the end near, you must utilize God's gifts to serve God's people by following God's instructions in order to bring God's glory. Bring God glory. So this morning we're going to see four aspects of using God's gifts so that you'll make the most of your time on earth. Four aspects of using God's gifts, the gifts that God has given you, so that you'll make the most of your time on earth. So the first aspect we're going to look at is the recipient, the recipients of God's gifts, the recipients of God's gifts. It begins in chapter 4, verse 10. At the beginning, it says, As each one has received a special gift. Each one. That's every single one of God's people. If God's Spirit has brought you to new life because of your faith in Christ, He has gifted you. If your heart cries out, it is finished. I no longer live for myself, but in Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. You have received this gift from God. Without exception, every one of you, from the youngest believer here this morning to the oldest. Paul reinforces the same point in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each one is given this gift of the Spirit. Verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 12. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. God gives gifts to each one. Ephesians 4, 7, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. The Father has not run out of gifts for his children. He will continue to give gifts while time remains to bring him glory. And that's what this stage of, this, of, of human history is about. It's about bringing him glory. And we do that using the gifts that he has given each one of us. 
Peter continues in verse 10, as each one has received, has received from God. God is sovereign over the distribution of the gifts he gives. He gives as he wills. We're not given a choice of a buffet of gifts. We don't go and get to decide for ourselves which gift we're going to get. Neither are we given a gift receipt. We don't get to exchange the gift that God has given us for another gift that might make us more comfortable either allow us to be more of a wallflower or to get more attention. Some of us are gifted teachers who need to be using our gifts, even if it makes us uncomfortable. And some of us are not gifted teachers who should serve in other ways. We don't get a gift receipt to return for another gift. In verse 10, he continues, each one has received a special gift. And if you have your, if the, 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 the New American Standard Bible, you see the word special is italicized. That's because it's not there. The translators are trying to bring out that that gift word, there's something special about it. The root of this word here in the Greek is the word which we often, which we almost always translate Grace. It's a grace gift. These gifts are from God's grace. They are freely and graciously given gifts. These gifts we can think of as the aptitudes and the abilities which God gives to his people through his spirit to accomplish his work. The aptitudes and abilities that God gives through his spirit to his people to accomplish his work. And often referred to as spiritual gifts or from, from, from 1 Corinthians, spiritual things. We are called to obey all of God's commands. If you're a parent, you have to be teaching even if your primary gift from the Lord isn't teaching. We have to be evangelizing even if our primary gift isn't evangelism. We have to be showing mercy even if we're not particularly gifted at being merciful. We have to help even if our greatest gift may not be administration or, or, or helping. Those of you who are in Christ Jesus have been especially gifted by God to excel in some areas of service. Now, because they are gifts of grace, their possession is nothing for us to boast about. We haven't done anything to receive this gift. Neither is there, there's no room for boasting and neither is there room for complaining. There's no room for complaining, wishing we could have chosen a different gift. Neither is there room for jealousy. And maybe you have been gifted by the Lord, but you look at other people and they're just more gifted. And I know I've struggled with this. I know someone who is, who's incredibly bright, an incredibly gifted preacher, incredibly gifted student, and I can look at him and say, oh, he does all these things so, so great. Well, my gift is given to me from God. It's not right for me to be jealous of someone else's gift. And your gift is given to you by God if you are in Jesus Christ. If you are a new creature in Christ, you have been gifted by God. You've been graced by God with usefulness for his kingdom. The same grace which saves you employs you. It's not separate grace. It's not saving grace and then, oh, now I'm going to give you a gift grace. This is God's grace. 
I love thinking about that. The grace that saves you employs you. To be brought into his kingdom is to be brought into his service. You can't identify someone who is saved but who doesn't serve. We can't savor God's saving grace. We can't sing these great songs about forgiveness, but then suppress his employing grace, his, his grace that would put us to work. Do you believe that you have received this grace gift? And this is a question for every person who confesses faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe, do you and I, I wish I could look at each one of you, do you believe you have this gift of grace? That's what it says here, as each one has received a special gift. Do you recognize that, that, that this gifting is of God's grace to you? That this is out of his goodwill to you, his favor upon you? This is not because he's like, well, I guess we've got to get someone to get this done. No, this, this is part of the grace he lavishes on us. It's really a unique aspect of the gospel. We know that his gospel saves us, and we know that it sanctifies us. There's this list of things that we no longer do and the list of commands that we should do. But this same grace also uses us. It, 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 it makes us useful to him for his kingdom purposes. You do have a gift if you are in Christ Jesus. You should be using it here in the people, in the ministries of Cornerstone Bible Church. That is God's grace to you. So that's the first aspect we've looked at, who the recipients of God's gifts are. The second aspect is the command to serve God's people. The command to serve God's people. I'm going to continue reading verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, a gift, a grace gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We are to employ it in serving one another. To, and, 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 and literally, it is serving, serving by using it. Or really, it's just serving it. We are to be serving it. We should be serving this gift. We should be rendering assistance. We should be helping. Now, this word is the same word we, we, we get deacon from. It can be used anywhere from someone who's waiting on a table to someone who is meeting a, a financial need. Sometimes it's translated as minister. We should be serving, ministering, meeting needs, helping. How appropriate that God's transforming grace, God's saving grace, would make us servants like the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus Christ is a servant, and we are to employ our gifts in serving one another. Matthew 20, verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In giving his life a ransom for many, he made us servants. Luke 22, verse 27 says, But I am among you as one who serves. That's how Jesus described himself. I am among you as one who serves. 
And that is what you should be among all of us as, and I should be among you as, as one who serves. That's our identity in Christ Jesus. We are servants. We think of that beautiful picture of how Jesus, on the night of his crucifixion, took off his outer clothes, taking a towel, he gritted himself, and he poured water into the basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, to wipe them with a towel which he was girded. This is how the Lord Jesus served. And now what the Lord Jesus has done has graced you with gifts for you to use in the body. He's given this, this, this grace gift to benefit his church, his people. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, I read it earlier. Paul says about this, but each one of us is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Your gift is for the common good. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, in, in describing how the gifts are to be used, he says, let all things be done for edification, for building up. All of our gifts are really ultimately for the building up, for the transformation of the saints into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 describes that some of these gifts, some of these roles have ceased. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, the building up of the body of Christ. So God calls some of us as evangelists and pastors and teachers to be equipping others to be doing the work of the service so that you use your gift for the building up of the body of Christ. That is what we're all about is building up of the body of Christ. As Peter describes this, this command here, it says, employed in serving one another. See, our gift is not about, and we know this, it's not about our own edification. It's about one another. It's not about, like, who am I? What's my spiritual gift? And not that that's a bad question to ask, but we can get so in-focused on, on trying to figure out our spiritual gift that we forget that the purpose of them is one another. So serve. I mean, and we're going to see that, that, that it is, in a sense, almost simple. Serving one another is good steward to the manifold grace of God. So if you want to know what your spiritual gift is, well, serve. Join Welcome Ministry. I mean, there's, there's any number of ways to serve here. Serve outside of the gathering of the body. Our gift is not about our identity. It's not about what our slice of God's kingdom is. Not about kind of having a territory of our own. Well, I've my 60% of teaching gift, 20% administration. I've got this all figured out. I know who I am. It's not about becoming something. It's not arriving at, at a spiritual plateau of, ah, oh, I've, I've leveled up in my giftedness. It's not even really about what you, you do or what you, about what you want to do or what you don't want to do. Your giftedness may be very hard for you to employ. In God's grace, he's gifted me as a teacher. I had to overcome, and I don't, I don't really ever talk about this, I stuttered so horribly, and that, that, that was way before I even knew that I was gifted at teaching. You know, using your gifts, and that was years ago when I was like 14 and older. Using your gifts may be hard. It doesn't always have to be this jolly experience. I don't know who really talks about jolly experiences, but that's what happens when I go off my notes. 
Your gifts are to be used for one another. That is why you've been given them, for the benefit of others. Now, that is, is, is specifically, though not exclusively, your brothers and sisters in Christ at CBC. If you are a member here, this is where you need to be using your gifts. Not just in a specific ministry here. Although, if the elders believe that that ministry is essential, then that'd be a great place to explore serving. Peter continues in verse 10, employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. A steward, one old lexicon describes a steward. It's the person to whom the head of the house has entrusted the management of his affairs or the care of receipts and expenditures, the duty of dealing out the proper portion to every servant. And that's just one description of how this word steward was used. It was a manager of that which belongs to someone else. See, our spiritual gifts, my spiritual gift is not my spiritual gift. Your spiritual gift is not your spiritual gift. Whose spiritual gift is it? It is God's grace. We don't own them. We've been entrusted with them. One commentator writes, Thus the Christian in Peter's view is simply a household slave who has control over a certain part of God's property, a gift. And that is how we're to think about the gifts that God has given us, just something that we are to steward for his glory, for his kingdom. A trustworthy steward. A good steward uses his master's resources to accomplish his master's will. Are you a good steward of God's grace gift to you? Are you accomplishing your master's will with the gifts that he has given you? Peter describes this as as manifold grace, or, or ESV uses the word varied grace. Manifold has the meaning of of many colored. It it, it was used in the Greek version of the Old Testament to use Joseph's many colored cloak. Many colored or various were stewards of God's varied grace. Grace which acts freely to give what the body needs. And so I've been kind of trying to find a, a, a good metaphor for this and I don't have one. So, we're going to stretch one. So you can think of, of a rainbow, right? A, a rainbow, it's multicolored, it's varied. But now imagine some kind of liquidy rainbow, right? A, a, a rainbow of a river rainbow, right? It's multicolored. And imagine God's grace is this kind of liquidy river rainbow of these, of these different colors and, and, and there's interminglings between the colors. And, you know, if I think of Roy G. Biv, the yellow gets a little close t- to the green and all that kind of stuff, okay? And so what God's, what, and, and, and it says we're stewards of the manifold grace of God. So this is God's grace coming towards us. This, 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 this multicolored river of his grace is going towards us, giving us everything that we need in Christ Jesus. And so what is this grace gift then? Well, you can imagine it as God, through, through the Holy Spirit, to those who are in Christ Jesus, dipping a cup into this rainbow river, dipping this cup, and gives each believer a unique dispense of God's grace to the believer to dispense that grace to, other, to others. 
Okay? So you get your own and you look at it. It's kind of like what you do with a Slurpee at 7-Eleven, right? You, you, you put some blue in the bottom and then some red, and you probably don't put that Coke flavor on there because it doesn't go good with the other two. But, but you've you got this unique mixture of different colors. Well, that Slurpee is God's grace. That Slurpee is not for you. That Slurpee is for you then to give to others, You have a unique, unique mixture, a unique cup of God's grace. It's a manifold grace. You have this unique cup and you are a unique and essential part of this body. 1 Corinthians 12, Peter describes this. The body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. It's not for this reason, any the less a part part of the body. You're your own Slurpee. And the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. It's not for this reason any less the part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell me? Smell be. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. There, there's, there's no single exhaustive list in the New Testament of, 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 of how God's grace is displayed as spiritual gifts. And, they, and there's different lists. In, in, in Romans 12, uh, it, it describes the gift of prophecy and the gift of serving and, and, and of generosity and leading and mercy and teaching and exhorting. And, and, and 1 Corinthians describes utterances of wisdom, of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, uh, interpreting tongues. Again, in 1 Corinthians 12, there's roles mixed with gifts, apostles, prophets, teachers, but then miracles, gifts of, of leading, helping, administration. There are now, some of these, these, these gifts were miraculous gifts given for the authentication of God's word. Others of these gifts are ongoing and, and continue. The point of me reading those is to say that, that, that with these lists of gifts, uh, there's no one exhaustive list. That these lifts vary from, from one another. And I don't know exactly, is that all of them? Are they all there be, be between the list? I think, I think, and really we're gonna see what Peter talks about, he describes them really simply as speaking gifts and serving gifts. You are a unique part of this body and God has uniquely given you his grace to dispense to his people by serving. And this is what Paul, Peter says, in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You don't want to waste that grace. That grace is not just for you to keep to yourself. Your grace slurpy is to be shared for others' good. And I'm going to break away from that analogy, which was not in my notes. You, you can imagine a mom who is committed to the nutrition of her children. So she, this, this, this mom is, is going away, but she wants her kids to be healthy. And so she's going to involve each of her children in helping. Now, her children are apparently teens because she gives each child a different gift. One is a cookbook. One is the key to, to, to the cupboard when the ingredients are kept. The other is the key to the car who can get more ingredients. The other is an envelope with cash. The other is the essential oven mitts. One is 
is, is nutritional expertise. You can imagine these kids with these, with these different gifts given. And the overall purpose of, of the mom giving to each of these kids these gifts is the health of the family as they come together and they do what is essential for the body. They're to work together with these, with these unique displays of the mom's care for the family. Are you a good steward of God's grace for the service of one another? Are you a good steward of God's grace for the service of one another? Or is your gift in the attic of your life? Is it being stored away in a box? Is it gathering dust? Maybe something that you used at one time when, when you were less busy. Or is your gift of grace... Is it like an inheritance that, that you've, you've never really needed? It's kind of like a will that you're like, well, I've, I've got plenty right now. I'm, I'm plenty busy. I'm plenty satisfied. I don't really have an obvious need for it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep this will sealed. There's probably some money in it, but I don't need it. Well, the body does. Or maybe you, you've ignored your gift. It's kind of like a, a plant left on your Window seal. Not that we had one of these. Refusing to water it because you're gone. Because, but maybe you're not using your gift because you've been offended by the church. You just kind of have, have, have reverted into yourself. Like, I've been gifted, but I'm not going to use it. Or maybe you're waiting for the perfect the perfect opportunity, something which is really intriguing, something which really satisfies you, welcoming, that's not quite it. Children, I don't think so. It's going to have to be, I don't know, somehow more glamorous, somehow really interesting. It's going to have to have, have some real theology in it. Or maybe you just have let the temporary things of this world get in the way of you using your gift. Do you have time for entertainment and sports? for savings and, and success, but not for using your gifts? The picture here is so clear. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We are meant to be a conduit of God's grace, not, not a dam that holds that grace back. What a sweet picture of, of this aspect of our salvation. That, that, that we're to be being poured into others' lives so that they're transformed into the glory, into the image of Christ. God's grace is not supposed to stop with you. Now again, this may not be in an official ministry of Cornerstone Bible Church, although if there are needs, you should consider that. It may be in your ministries with one another. So what kind of steward are you? Are you a good steward? So we've looked so far at the recipients of God's gifts. We've seen the command to serve God's people. Now let's look now at instructions how to use God's gifts. Instructions how to use God's gifts. Peter continues in verse 11. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who's speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which, which, which God supplies. 
Peter identifies two categories of these grace gifts, whoever speaks and whoever serves. And together they summarize the manifold grace of God. So let's look first at what Peter doesn't say here. Peter doesn't say that, that there's only two types of people. There's those who speak and those who serve. He doesn't say that these are mutually exclusive categories. Oh, sorry, I can't really stack chairs right now. I've got the gift of speaking. Instead, Peter describes all of the previous gifts as, as serving. So even now, he breaks them down into speaking gifts and serving gifts. They're all about serving. Instead, the focus is on how good stewards ought to speak and how good stewards ought to serve. These verses are ultimately about stewardship. If you want to be a good steward of the grace gift that God has given you, then we have to listen to what he says here. He's giving instructions on how to do that. And as we obey what he says, we'll be better stewards of the grace of God. So beginning in verse 11, whoever speaks is to do so as one who's speaking the utterances of God. Peter's primary purpose is to bring perspective regarding how our speaking gifts are employed. He says speaking, it's not just preaching here. It is a broad word that really includes all kinds of ministry of speech. It doesn't include all of our speech. It's not everything that we say. This, this is speaking as we seek to be a good steward of God's grace. So it may be preaching, it may be teaching, it may be exhorting, it may be encouraging. He says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Now, this doesn't mean you can't speak about sports. Well, that's not God's utterances. But when you speak, when you use God's gifts, you are to speak as if you're speaking the utterances of God and, 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 and other versions have the oracles of God. This same word is used to refer to the, to the Old Testament law in Acts 7 verse 38. In Romans 3, 2, it describes how Israel was entrusted with the oracles of God, the promises of God, the revelation of God. In these in the Septuagint, this word, this word that's translated utterances is used in Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. That word there, and, and when the Greeks read that, they would say word and they'd think, oh, this is, this is God's word, it's God's law. So when we speak, we are to be speaking as those who speak God's word, as, as we are those who speak revelation. Now, it doesn't mean that everything someone who has a speaking gift says is what God says. When someone is speaking, we must take seriously the responsibility to speak what God says. And not one's opinions, not preferences, not pet peeves. It has to be about what God says. When we speak, is it the utterances of God? And that doesn't mean just I'm going to read scripture to you, but that what I'm saying matches up and accurately explains what God's word says. And so the more we say what aligns with what God has revealed in his word, the better stewards we are. We must speak God's word faithfully. We must accurately communicate his word as it was intended by the original authors. And we must carefully apply it to the church age. 
We must demonstrate the preciousness of God's word through our care and through our handling of it, demonstrating how valuable it is. We must demonstrate the power of God's word by having our own hearts affected by it. We can't speak the utterances of God and not have our own souls shaked, shook, shook. We must deliver God's word in an appropriate manner that demonstrates its value and not with flippancy. And this is true no matter, no matter who you're teaching, no matter who you're speaking to. If, if you are utilizing the giftedness of God's grace that he's given to you, whether it be exhorting or, or teaching, it doesn't matter if it's to children. Everything we say to children must be 100% true when we're saying it comes from God's word. He brings such a sobriety to the task of speaking as one who's speaking the utterances of God. But there's also weight with serving. Whoever serves is to do so as one who's serving by the strength which, God's, with, which God supplies. Again, Peter is providing perspective here. It's, it's not of content this time, speaking the utterances of God, but of, but of God's, God's en enabling resources. This word strength, it's the ability, the capacity. Whoever serves is to do so as one is serving by the capacity, by the ability which God supplies. The word supplies, it's to make available whatever is necessary to help or to supply the needs of someone. One commentator writes, God has ordered the job done. God will pay the expenses, be they material, physical, or, or emotional. This is God's work, and God is going to supply us the resources, the strength, the capacity to do that work. In serving, one must realize that God himself is providing the ability to serve. This is God the creator. God gives you the required resources to please him. This is, again, part of his grace to you. He is not like the Egyptian slave masters that wouldn't give straw to Israel to make bricks. He gives you all the capacity, all the resources you need to serve. If the work is of God, the resources are available from God. Now, this is not just a formal church ministries, but it is ministry to the body. This is not just you serving your family. This is serving one another. Now, just as someone who speaks is not infallible, right? Someone who speaks is not infallible. They only speak the utterances of God when what they say matches up with what God's word says. So in the same way, when someone serves, it is not always in God's strength. It is not always with his ability. It is possible to serve selfishly. It is possible to seek man's approval. It's possible to be trying to convince others of your worth. It's possible to serve while grumbling, to serve while resenting the task, to serve while being self-focused, complaining to yourself about what someone else is or isn't doing. All of those are examples of not serving with God's strength. Now, here is simple advice. God, God's word doesn't tell us how to know what our gifts are. So, so, and I said this earlier, begin by serving. Begin by serving. 
If you are part of Cornerstone Bible Church, find a way that you can serve. Find a way that you can serve one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And keep serving. Find a ministry here that needs to be served, that needs servants. And then, over time, explore whether you have speaking gifts. Look, look for opportunities to speak. There may be many of you who have teaching gifts who haven't, who haven't used them. And maybe some of that is because you're not even serving. So start by serving, and, and, and it is interesting. I've, 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 been thinking, I've been thinking about where Paul, what, where Paul urges them to pray, uh, to seek greater gifts. And I wonder if he is including there the idea of teaching gifts, and so that you may need to stretch yourself in, in examining, like, do I have a teaching gift? But begin by serving. And really, in general, we're not, I mean, elders aren't going to look at someone and say, hey, you should teach if you're not already serving. Okay, now I'm getting back to explain the text here. Between these two instructions that Peter gives, the, 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 the combined effect of both of them, it is, it is sobering, but it's also joyful. It has resolve to it, but there's also effort in these two words. I mean, what encouragement. Speaking the utterances of God, what, I mean, how gracious that God would allow us to communicate his word. And, and, and that could be an exhorting one another. It could be an encouraging one another. But we want to get it right. How incredible that when we serve, he gives us his supernatural strength. Employing our gifts is essential, holy work in which we steward God's grace by speaking God's word and utilizing God's strength. See, those who are good stewards of God's grace appreciate the value, the, 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 the unique responsibility, this opportunity that God has given them. It, and, 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 it, and it's not because God's utterances are, are fragile, so we need to, to treat them with, 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 with care. It's not like, like, like we're going to break them, but it's because they're so valuable. How should we be honored to handle his word? How should we be honored to have his strength to serve one another? We don't deserve this in any way. And, these sojourning saints were going through all kinds of shame for their commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's like, look, you have Jesus's strength to serve. You have God's word given to you to speak. This reality that we've been graced with speaking God's word and serving with God's strength should compel us to speak, to serve one another but also provides such hope in serving one another. Our serving is effective. It is accomplishing God's purposes because it's not our own words that we ultimately strive to speak. And it's not with our own strength that we seek to serve. We have these, these rich, priceless resources purchased for us with the blood of Christ. So how eager should we be to, to serve and to speak more faithfully? and more wisely, and more energetically, and more dependently, how much we should strive to be good stewards of this manifold grace of God. 
This is how we become good stewards, not ashamed when the master calls on them and says, what have you done with the gifts that I've given you? We've seen so far the, who, the, who these recipients of God's gifts are. It's each one of us who are in Christ Jesus. We've seen the command to serve God's people, serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And we've seen instructions and in whether we have a speaking gift or, 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 or a serving gift. And now we see what the motivation is for using God's gifts. Peter says at the second half of verse 11, So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter motivates us to use our gifts with this exaltation of God. When we utilize God's gifts, these, these grace gifts, whether in speaking or serving, we glorify God because we speak the truth of his word and we serve with the strength that he supplies. This is not about us. This is about his glorification. It's about his exaltation. If we were the source of this truth and power, then we would receive the glory. But praise God, we're not because it would be a muddled mess. It would, be, have, have, it, would, it would be a disaster. But instead, God is the source, and so he gets the glory. We're honored to simply be the ones used. We are waiters bringing out delicacies that the master chef has, has, has prepared for us. We're, we're, we're like those who, uh, like landscape workers, gardeners, and there's this master landscaper who has designed this beautiful mansion with millions of, of tulips and, and all of these fancy bushes designed like animals, and the whole thing is just immaculate, this huge garden in front of a castle, you can imagine. And, and we're just all the landscapers just doing what the, what the master has pictured. We're, we're, we're just gardeners. We're, 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 we're going to go and serve. We're going to go and do some trimming and, and do some planting. And we're going to bring delicacies out of the master chef's cabinet and out of his fridge. This is what we do as servants and as speakers. But God is the one who is, brings the glory. He's the designer. He's the chef. He's the architect. This God, God's glory is in our lives through Jesus Christ. It is only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is only through our union with Jesus Christ, through the Spirit connecting us to Him, through His Spirit dwelling with us, that we are able to make Him known, that we're able to serve with the strength that He supplies. Oh, but what, what power there is and what riches there is. This is true of you, young men and young women, if you are in Jesus Christ. You have these resources to make God's glory known. Christ is the focus of our message, and he is the source of our power. And without Christ, we have no power. And without Christ, God receives no glory. So are you motivated by God's glory in the church? Do you want to show his worth? Are you in love with our creator? Do you want others to see how great he is? Do you want others to come and taste the living water, to come and taste the bread of life? 
This is, this, this is why we steward the gifts that he's given us. We are the rivers of his grace, the conduits of his grace. We're not to keep them for ourselves. Are you like a, 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 a curator in a, a museum that's, that's leading a tour? And you can't wait to bring your tour group to the expert artist, the, 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 oh, what are the great artists called? The master artist. Because you have a prized painting there. And you want to bring this tour group to show how good this master artist is. Because you want to glorify the master artist. You want to show them the brushstrokes and the brilliance behind this painting that this master artist has done. And that's what we want to do as Christians. We want to say, come and meet my redeemer. Come and meet my creator. Come and meet my sovereign. Come and meet my king. This is why we have gifts. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And then Peter says, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Thinking about this ministry we have through Jesus Christ, he erupts in praise of Jesus Christ. And it is possible here that, 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 that this to whom, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. It could either be, be God, the Father, or it could be Jesus Christ. I think it makes the most sense in context here following some simple rules of Greek, that it refers to Jesus Christ, but it, it could be both. I think as he speaks, he speaks about Jesus Christ, as he speaks about this, this glory we get to bring him through Jesus Christ, his heart erupts with praise of Jesus Christ. It's to him belongs the glory. To him belongs the dominion forever and ever. This is our king. We get to do all of this work, all of this stewardship, because of who our great king is. And he has to end with an Amen. It's one of those times when you're reading through scripture and you're like, did his heart get caught away here? Did, did, did he just get so caught up in this grand purpose for what we're supposed to be doing in the body that his heart erupts in this, in this doxology and he almost has to say, amen, I'm going to catch my train of thought here in a minute. And we'll see next week he returns to suffering. What a powerful verse that, that explores the deity of Jesus Christ. To him belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. In Isaiah 42, verse 8, Yahweh says, I am Yahweh, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another. And yet we have here in God's word, God's, God's spirit writing through the apostle Peter, giving glory and dominion forever and ever to Jesus Christ, who is God the Son become man. What are you doing with a grace gift that God has given you? What kind of steward are you? Are you, are, are, are you speaking into one another's lives? Are, are, are you using the manifold grace of God that he's given you to serve? To serve one another? When the Lord Jesus talked about his return in Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. You guys can go ahead and turn there. Matthew 25, verse 30. 14 and 30. When I say you guys, it sounds like I'm in youth group again. Matthew 25, verses 14 and 30. Jesus is describing the readiness of those who are ready for, 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 for his return. Those who know, as Peter says, that the, that the Lord is near, that the end is near. 
And in this parable, Jesus says, I'll start at verse 14. For it is just like a man about, he's talking about God's kingdom. It's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. Really calls them to be stewards. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey, passed his money out. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gave five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who had received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Verse 19. Now after a long time, the master of the slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. There we see such a great example of what good stewardship is. He has gotten that cup of God's grace, that manifold cup of God's grace, that varied cup of God's grace, his own five talents. And he maximizes them for his master's good, for his master's glory. And he's entered, he's welcomed into the joy of his master. Verse 22. Also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. There's no comparison here. He's not saying, Well, you're not really as great as the other slave who I gave five to. You only got two, but good job. Right? We're, 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 not, we're not measuring ourselves to one another. He was faithful. God had given his grace to him, and he was faithful with that grace. See, these two slaves, they knew their master's character. They knew they would be welcomed into their master's presence. They were good stewards in verse 24. The one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seeds. And you're not fair. I'm not going to do your work for you. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have was yours. Hey, look, I haven't spilled any of your grace out. Here's, here's it back to you. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have to put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. Here's, here's, here's where it gets real alarming. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus kind of almost breaks his own parable here as he starts talking about hell. There are stewards who use what, is, what the master has entrusted to them for his good. Those stewards are welcomed into the joy of the master. But there's also these anomalies, these, these slaves in name only. Stewards who doubt the goodness of their master. Stewards who do nothing with what he's entrusted to them. This kind of steward reveals that really he doesn't believe his master. He doesn't love his master. He doesn't have really any, any true hope in the gospel here. He doesn't know his master's goodness. He didn't know the goodness of his master. The way in which we utilize our gifts reveals to whom we belong. Christians use their gifts. 
Is Jesus your master? Then you will use his gifts to serve his people according to his instructions for the advancement of his glory. Let's pray. Father, we are here every Sunday because you are gracious, because of your goodness to us in Christ Jesus, because you rescue sinners, because you take the punishment of sinners. Lord, it is, it is incredible to think that you would choose us, your servants, to be stewards of this manifold grace, that, that, that the grace that saves also is this grace which, which supplies the needs of the saints, that your goodwill uh, to us isn't just at conversion, but continues. And the tools that you use are your people. Lord, your people use your gifts. It's so clear here in Matthew 25 that, 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 that the one who, who hides it, who does nothing with it, doesn't understand your goodness, doesn't welcome your presence, doesn't really want to enter into the joy of you. Father, I pray today that none of us would be like the slave. I do pray, Lord, if there is conviction this morning, if there has been a selfishness, a hoarding, uh, Lord, that, that, that there would be an examination uh, whether uh, they are truly in the faith. Lord, wh whether they have participated in your grace, Lord, whether they love your glory. Lord, Father, I, I'm convicted how often I have just wasted uh, your resources on my pleasure. Lord, how quickly I become earthly-minded. Lord, we see a, a clear picture that those who belong to you utilize your gifts. And so, Lord, I do pray that you encourage the saints here this morning who have been faithful, Lord, who are using the gifts that you've given them in the time that you've allowed a lot of them. That, that, that they are speaking and they are serving to the capacity that you've given them. I pray, Father, you encourage them whether, whether in a sense they're trying to evaluate whether they have two talents or five talents or whether you know, there's any kind of foolish comparison going on. Uh, Lord, I pray that they would just be so encouraged by the fact that you've given them of your grace and now they're going to go and pour out that grace upon others so that they can become like your son. I pray, Lord, that they'd be encouraged. Now, Lord, I do pray, Father, for those who truly are yours, Lord, and, and, and maybe they, they, they just have forgotten their, their place in your grand design to bring yourself glory through your Son working through them, Lord. I pray that they would, would, would be reinvigorated to do so. I pray, Lord, that you would bring repentance to those who need to repent, encouragement to those uh, who need encouragement. Father, we want to be found faithful uh, when, when your son returns, Lord. And here, it really is just such a, 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 clear, a clear mark of whether uh, your son really is our Lord. So I do pray, Father, even for uh, those who are, who are maybe young here, Lord, who are still examining whether they belong to you, Lord. I pray that this would be a thrilling evidence of their conversion, that they can see in their lives uh, that they are using their gifts, or that maybe they would be excited to start using uh, the gift of grace you've given them in the lives, uh, in the lives of others. 
We pray, Lord, as we head into this week, Lord, that we would be reinvigorated to be spent, Lord, that we would have our sober-mindedness as the end is near, that we, would, uh, that we would love fervently, Lord, that we would be practicing hospitality and that we would be good stewards of your manifold grace. In Jesus' name, amen.